So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode of For F1's Sake is about the 1998 Belgium Grand Prix. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it on YouTube now. And while you're there, check out the channel known as Carfection. Carfection, Carfection, Carfection. And the dirt is gone. Wait, that's silly back. And you've got cars all over the track because David Coulthard's crashed. Mmm, clean it up with Carfection. Carfection on YouTube is the place to go for anyone who loves cars that are fast, expensive, luxurious, or just plain cool. Cars, perfection, Carfection. And it features the best-looking car content anywhere online. Is that a Prost Peugeot in your pants or is it car fiction? I don't know what that means. Have you ever looked at your own car and thought, oh my god, I'm a failure in life. I buy some car fiction. Visit youtube.com forward slash carfection now. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the David Coulthard of F1 Podcasts. Oh, I'm sorry, I messed it up again. In hindsight, these podcasts will look pretty pathetic. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the... ...of Formula One Podcasts. I only put that in so you'd have to say it again, it's not fair. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, we were going to do a reverse podcast, but Mercedes vetoed it. I mean, can you blame them? Welcome to the Formula One Take, the F1 podcast that refuses to rule out buying Williams at this stage. Newsflash, I've just bought Williams and I'm turning them into flats. <laughs> Welcome to the Formula One Take, the F1 podcast that will be instigating a handicap system for its hosts from 2021. Terry, I'm going to have to break your legs. I'm Tigres, and today, from our houses as per usual, we are going to talk about the early modern 1998 Grand Prix and a lot of interesting going-ons that have been going on in actual modern F1, from where Vettel is going to where the Lance Stroll is going and where the F1 races are going and whether they're going in reverse. Just because there's no racing doesn't mean nothing's happening. That's all to come. Joining me is a man who is for hire again. It's Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. Yes, once again, I'm available for weddings, uh, bar mitzvahs, funerals, that kind of thing. I've re-entered the freelance market. This is the perfect time to uh, to strike out on your own in the employment world. So uh, if anybody needs anything, uh, give me a call. And we slag off your employers? No, it wasn't their fault, but... Um... <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, C- circumstances have meant that I am uh, 
available in the uh, in the freelance market once again. But uh, I don't blame anyone apart from people who eat in dodgy markets. What sort of skills do you have? Barbecuing? Yeah, quite good at barbecues now. Get my money's worth out of my mm-hmm. big grill. I'm quite good at rollerblading. Exactly. So, you know, wow. what's not to like? So if anyone's looking for uh, someone who can write 100 words on rollerblading barbecues, we know your man. And what we mean by that is, I'll give it a go. <laughs> and alongside him is an injured man. It is Terry Saunders. I know you're thinking in the first few minutes of this podcast, Terry Saunders is normal chipper self. Well, let me tell you, I am in fucking agony. Have you been I, carting again? Um, no, <laughs> this is worse oh. than the carting injury. I've wow. been running a lot during lockdown. And last week... I like the pause there, like like you wanted us to be like, no, well done. Yeah, I was expecting that. I presume because of the delay, so, I couldn't hear it, so it's fine, yeah. Um, <laughs> I went for a run Saturday last, and it was a bit lackluster. It was when it was really hot, and I hadn't done much. You know, I've been pretty slow. So I got nearly home, and I thought, I'm going to run this last kind of, you know, 10-minute stretch as fast as I can. I tripped. Oh. I went flying. I properly stacked it, properly like somersaulted. That was was heading towards my face, or the ground was heading towards my face, or my face to the ground. And I realised I had to take immediate action. And I'm quite tall, so I had a while. So I rolled over and I landed full whack on my shoulder at, let's say, what's 10 miles an hour? What's fast? Uh, 15 miles an hour. Let's go with that. Do you have to use your right to wipe? Yeah, I've got to use my right to wipe. I think I've bruised a rib. And I noticed this time I'm not saying cracked a rib. Definitely bruised it. It's hurting, but it's not as bad as it was. But the shoulder, fuck! You haven't broken your collarbone, have you? Is it cracked? I haven't broken the collarbone. I went to A&E. Going to A&E during the COVID isn't fucking fun, I can tell I know, you. I did it a few weeks um, ago. It'll be Is fun. there a way that we can blame Missed Apex for this? <laughs> well, as you know with me, I'm not one, I'm not one to complain. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to, you know, put up with it stoically. <laughs> But yeah, I was listening to Miss Day at the time. Now you mention it. <laughs> Only their Joe Sayward episodes. I don't listen to the rest. Chica, what have you been up to? Yeah. So uh, I've had quite a traumatic evening. Um, I haven't obviously been up to much, having been uh, at home. The stallion um, oh, has had to no. shave his beard off, um, and I haven't seen him without a beard on before until this evening, uh, which he shaved it off to Radiohead. It's not good. It's not good. When you say he shaved it off to Radiohead, which um, which which song was it? Does he look like a creep? That's all I've got. Okay, bitches, it's time for Listener's Corner, where we're talking about all the news that's been dropping in F1 over the past couple of weeks. Let's start with Williams, which after quite a while of being a bit rubbish and not having enough cash, has announced that it's up for sale to whoever wants it. Also, it's ditched title sponsor Rocket Phones, which probably isn't good. So, Marcus Atkinson says, Williams Story, or Rich Energy, buys Williams and rebrands it as William S. Hey presto, useless leader and title sponsor in one. Tristan Clayton says, as a fan who remembers the 90s and Williams' greatness, well, it would be tragic if the record books ended up reading... Last winner, Pasta fucking Maldonado. Oh, Williams. Well, first thing I'd say, Marcus, Marcus, Williams' story won't buy Williams because I've tweeted Will I Am to get him <laughs> to buy Williams because he could rename it Will I Am. Brilliant. And then he could be sponsored by I Am's Cat Food. It's genius. So I think the, this is as good as in the bag. 
It's another uh, it's another sad chapter in the uh, the gradual demise of Williams, isn't it? it? It does look like it's going to end up not in family ownership anymore. And you could sort of legit well, you yeah, I think you can legitimately say that the days of F1 teams being able to be owned by a family are probably over anyway. And it, they've done well for lasting this long. I mean, you could also say that having it run by the family has been a fucking disaster <laughs> because they're inept and shit. I mean, they were doing... It's not just the money. They were doing money, okay for a shit. while. And then they weren't. Do you not think by now they'd just be like, do you know what, fuck it, you can have it. I do not want to have anything to do with this. I'm changing my name. Sod it. It's like they've got a family heirloom in the sitting room and that heirloom happens to be haunted and it's killing everybody. <laughs> Get rid of the heirloom. There's no way to talk about Frank. And when I say heirloom, I mean Frank Williams. <laughs> oh, we got there together. For obvious reasons, it's sad, you know, but they've ditched the sponsor, which kind of implies they've got something cooking up already. I well, mean, they should have sold to Lawrence Stroll a couple of years ago and they didn't, and that's stupid. So now they're going to have some bargain bucket. They're probably going to have fucking Rich Energy. Well, I mean, I think we all know, or we all strongly suspect that Rich Energy doesn't have any actual money. From the rumours I've heard on a nothing. Well, he's been perfect for Williams because neither are they. Well, exactly. The, the rumours are that Rocket didn't, that they, they, they severed uh, relationships with Rocket because Rocket hadn't paid. Although Rocket sponsored bloody loads of stuff, so maybe they oh, do have fuck. money. And they do actually make phones, although apparently they're not very good. It's a bit of a weird one, the Rocket thing. Nobody's really said why it is. I just think Williams have been hanging on to this sort of independent <laughs> garagist thing for so long that we're just in another age now where, you know, unless you're a, a pretty reasonable sized corporation, you've got absolutely no chance. Hopefully somebody will come in and keep the Williams name in some way. I don't quite know how they're going to do it, but it would be nice to keep it around as a bit of history. But, you know, I think it's time for them to move on, really. Well, Terry was right. Will I am. That'd be good. I mean, yeah. anyone called William, He's really. He's the best person to buy it. William Haig. Uh, Prince William. William Gladstone. <laughs> Topical. William the First. <laughs> yeah, William the Conqueror. Be good. William the Conqueror. I mean, that, you know, the branding writes itself. Yeah. In perhaps related news, um, there's still no official word on what Sebastian Vettel is doing next year, though. Is that a coincidence? Yes. Anthony Bishop says Vettel to buy Williams and be team principal and number one driver. Then he can race to his 50. Russell Trigg agrees and says Vettel rescues Williams, fires Claire, and then we see them come eighth slash ninth in the Constructors' Championship rather than last. Vettel is a team owner. No, he's gonna he's gonna either carry on driving or fuck off. He's gonna go to Aston Martin. I'm gonna put some money on it. So you ready? First bet oh. of the year, five pounds that he's gonna go to Aston Martin. Is this more money that Ooh. the Dogs Trust will never see? I walked past a Dogs Trust charity shop at the weekend and meant to send you a photo. Oh, you should have, because they were open a wing in my name with all the money I've given. (laughs) (laughs) But perhaps Vettel could be destined for another team. Mercedes boss Toto Wolff hasn't ruled out signing the four-time world champion for 2021. Where's Paul Stops thinks this is a great idea. I say put Vettel in the Merc with Lewis and watch his self-esteem get gradually pounded into mush until he announces his retirement before mid-season. I mean, that is what would happen. Toto Wolf hasn't ruled out signing him in the same way he hasn't ruled out signing me or Phil, has he? No, I think he did. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah. let's not rule out ruling me I mean, you're me free. Also, no, what yeah, he's I like the way he didn't mention me. Like, he, oh, no, he did, he did rule me he's out. Been more I've positive. seen you carting, Jika. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing it out of <laughs> self-deprecation. I was trying to go fast and crashing. You weren't even trying. 
<laughs> Fine. Toto Wolf said I wasn't allowed In to fairness, drive. Toto Wolf has said that um, that he would that they would consider Sebastian Vettel, and he also said that they weren't just paying lip service to that suggestion. He's just trying to out. scare Lewis because he hasn't signed a contract yet, is he? So he's going if you. If you go, I'll get Vettel in. You know, it's all games. Oh, there's no, there's no way they get rid of, they'd replace Lewis with him. That's that. No, but is they saying if Lewis isn't? <laughs> I don't think no, even Toto believes anyone Whatever. would think that. Anyway, fine. In other news, racing is getting going again. The first eight races of the somewhat truncated 2020 season have been confirmed. We're starting on July the 5th with the Austrian Grand Prix, and then we'll rattle through the Styrian Grand Prix, Hungarian Grand Prix, British Grand Prix, 70th Anniversary Grand Prix, Spanish Grand Prix, Belgian Grand Prix, and Italian Grand Prix. Then we'll probably have some more races, which may or may not be at Shanghai, Hockenheim, Imola, and Mugello. Bahrain, Abu Dhabi and Sochi, Singapore, Suzuka, USA, Brazil and Baku probably won't happen. Vietnam might. Discuss. Lots to talk about here. Should we start with the ones they've confirmed? Okay, so there's two Austrian Grand Prix. Only one isn't called Austrian, it's called Styrium because for some reason you can't have two races called Austria even though one just called it Austrian Grand Prix 1 and Austrian Grand Prix 2. Then we go to the British Grand Prix and then after the British Grand Prix we're having another Grand Prix in Britain, in Silverstone, but it's not called the British Grand Prix, it's called the 70th Anniversary Grand Prix which is fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the uh, to the anthems that they play at these. Uh, is there, uh, there might be a Styrian anthem. There certainly isn't a 70th anniversary anthem, unless they just pick whatever was at number one in the charts 70 years ago, which is probably like Vera Lynn or something. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> it's uh, we've got a little while, so we could come up with our own anthem. I have I mean, money, like money, money, money. <laughs> we have this race contractually because we need the money. <laughs> I think they should just put words to the F1 music. Seventieth um, anniversary, ba 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 Grand Prix, ba ba ba. We asked Nigel Mansell, but he was busy. Britain once again. I will say though, the number one single in I can only find the Billboard charts for America was Mona Lisa by Nat King Cole seventy years ago. So I think that should be. Oh, that'd be good. Mona Lisa. A bit of Nat King Cole. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we all moan about how long the seasons are. This is going to be fine. Tracks-wise, the ones they've confirmed are mostly okay. I mean, Spain can be a bit boring, but the others will probably be all right. Yeah. And then there's a sort of a bit up in the air for the other ones that they haven't confirmed yet. I mean, you know, there's no Monaco, so that's good. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. This is the most looking forward to I've had for a season ever. Turns out we just need lots of people to die. Okay, so the races are confirmed, uh, but what sort of races will they be? Uh, well, So what with everything being crazy, 2020 seems like a good time to try some cool new ideas. But there's still no agreement on any crazy rules. Nine of the teams were down to try the reverse grid race or two, but Mercedes blocked the idea. I mean, can you blame them, though? Six world championships in a row, and then they're told, right, this season we are going to pop you at the back to spice things up. But there are some, albeit boring, rules confirmed. The testing handicap system. Can you give us a breakdown on the testing handicap system, Phil? Yes. So this isn't for this season. This is from, I believe, 2022 now, which has now been agreed by all the teams. And it basically means the crapper you are, the more testing you'll be able to do on your aerodynamic systems. So if you're really good and you win all the races, you'll still get more money than everybody else because you should but you'll get less aerodynamic testing 
And if you're completely shit and lose every race, the following season or over the testing period, you'll get more allowance to do more testing to try and catch up a little bit. The idea is to basically be a balance of performance system that isn't as crap as the balance of performance systems that they have in some other uh, series, which frankly just ruin all the racing. Um, And I actually think it's quite a good idea because... Theoretically, isn't it, just having enough te- loads more testing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be quicker, but it gives you a bit more of a chance to be less shit and less off the back. Um, I've, yeah, I think it's quite a quite an interesting way of doing it. But you know, it's F one, so it might not work. Because yeah, because it's wind tunnel testing time, but it's also computer CFD testing time, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So it's basically it's it's just general effort at sorting out your aero, um, which obviously is pretty fundamental to driving fast because it is interesting because i do like the idea that yeah you get more time to catch up and also you also know full well that even if williams had the most time in the world they'd still fuck it up so it's you know it seems fair it's it's a lot more sort of elegant than like drs or anything like that which is basically just off and on it's it's a bit more subtle than that and it's not enough to just go you see i'm I'm not convinced that if williams just said i mean williams are going to be last anyway but let's say uh, I don't know, Alpha Tauri were, were struggling a bit towards the end of the season and go, ah, we'll just give up for the rest of the season so we get loads of off-season testing. That's not necessarily going to work because it also means they won't get as much money as if they carried on trying and didn't come last. So I'm hoping it's it's not enough of an incentive for people to give up and hope they get the more testing, but it'll still give them at least a, a glimmer of hope rather than just plunging into the abyss. But, you know, they've got to still be good enough in themselves to be able to use this testing to get better and also have we mentioned the budget cap as well because that's been confirmed hasn't it yeah was it 145 million yeah and then 140 million i think 145 then it goes down to 140 and then it stays at 140 and then it goes down to 300 quid (laughs) but we talked about this in the last episode didn't we it 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 doesn't include a load of stuff yeah including pretty much everything but you know it's a start they're going in the right direction just as the famousest oldest team is going out of business they're sorting it all out just as the world collapses into anarchy and racing becomes meaningless yeah i mean racing coming back is interesting but with the state of the world right now it's going to be very interesting to see how formula one is viewed i'm telling you now by the time 2022 actually arrives it's going to be like mad max fury road there'll only be one car in mercedes but bottas is like bolted to the front playing guitar (laughs) i would actually be all in favor of that i think they should bring that in from this season yep done so with Williams looking for a new buyer, that's about enough bad news for teams right now, right? Oh, wait. McLaren is letting a load of staff go. 1,200 people across the McLaren group are set to be made redundant, including 70 people on the race team. Not good. Fuck you, COVID-19. Yep, COVID-19 is not helping, although also they've not been selling as many road cars as they wanted to, which uh, I think is probably more of an issue. Is this road cars they're not selling because everyone's staying indoors or were they were they shit sales before the pandemic i think they were i think they were selling below their expectations before all this happened and then all this happening is really not helping the situation one team not letting staff go however is aston martin which is what racing point will be called next year well actually they're not letting their drivers go next year with sergio perez and lance stroll set to keep their seats or are they the team says well it's coyly avoiding answering the question which is weird Perez is surely staying because he's pretty good and Stroll is the boss's son, so he's safe. But if he was, surely they'd confirm him, right? You might be onto something, Terry. 
Thank you, £5 is safe. Vettel is going to Aston Martin. You can tell that Lance Stroll doesn't even want to drive. It's like the lumberjack skit. He's been forced into it. <laughs> he just wants to be a well, hairdresser. Where's the lady's clothing? Whoa. He just wants what, sorry? To be a hairdresser. He wants to be a hairdresser. He's got lovely hair. Next. And another news. Hungary is staying on calendar until 2027 at least, and Italy until 2025 at least. Yay! There's not going to be any 2027. We're all going to be dead. Right. There'll be an asteroid in the Earth. Well, Trump would have nuked us all. You know, all that'll be left is the, the Hungara ring. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1's Sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. And thank you to all the people who have donated to have Terry's shoulder replaced with something bionic. They are Keith Falconer. Ah, ah. Thank you, Keith. Jenny and Ralph Brynard. Thanks, thanks Jenny. Ralph. Thanks, Ralph. Bryce Davies. Thanks, Bryce. <laughs> Once, twice. Twice is nice. Bryce. That doesn't work. Bryce, Bryce <laughs> times a lady? No, it doesn't work. Bruce Forsyth made that look easy. And, and Tom <laughs> Lindsay. Tom Lindsay sounds like somebody who would be in a gentle Sunday evening detective drama. It does. A gentle... Or a sort of quite, quite a nice sort of an acoustic guitar performer. It's the County Downs Murders. Oh, hang on, that sounds darker, doesn't it? That sounds more like a documentary on the trouble. The county Down. Keep us going, then, by buying us a pint or a four-pack by heading to Terry. Just head to me. Come round my house, drop a teller through the yeah. door. I will uh, I'll wash Try my hands and, pick and it up. buy some beer. Or you can go to ffys.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. So, in just a moment, we are going to look back through the teams at the 1998 Belgian Grand Prix. But before we start, I just want to set the scene and remind you of some key events that happened in 98. First of all, the Euro was born. There was the Lewinsky scandal, Furbies, remember them? And we watched Rose drop Jack off in the Atlantic Ocean, despite the fact there were loads of room on the door she was lying on in Titanic. So, hang on, just to summarise. So, the Euro was the currency that made us leave Europe. The Lewinsky mm-hmm. scandal was when she sucked off a Furby in the Oval Office. And That's the one. I'm not, I've, I've, is that the new Netflix that Jack and wrote? Is that the thing about Fred West? What? That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> That's where they buried all the bodies. <laughs> Killed thousands. Uh, <laughs> sorry to the people of Gloucester. I've been to the uh, to the house or where the house was in uh, whatever the name oh, of the really? was. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not there anymore. They knocked it down. Cromwell Street. No, yeah, that's a good old wank in the, in the oh. space where it used to be. Oh. Terry. What? For legal reasons, right. no, you can't. Right, well, you can. let's move on to the teams. <laughs> For the love of God, let's move on to the teams. I just don't think it's illegal. I mean, there's the common decency angle. I'm pretty, sh- I I'm pretty sure it's, it's illegal. It's on a desecrated... <laughs> Only because, you know, uh, I think it's a grey area. <laughs> it's not a grey area. It's not illegal because of where it is. It's illegal to wank in public. I'll give you that. But just because it's on the site of a a mass grave of serial killers, that doesn't make it more illegal. I mean, morally. You find I'm right there. Law doesn't care about morals. I feel like we're talking about Jordan Mugen Honda. Jordan Mugen Honda, the 1994. World champion Martin, who was champ in 1994, was 1994-1994. Murray Walker might have got this fact wrong, but Damon Hill got a sneaky lead on the restart and held off Schumacher, his great 1996, I mean 1994, rival. 
But then when Schumacher went all Jake the Peg on three wheels, we can make that reference as Rolf Harris wasn't known as a pedo in 1998. It gave the Jordans a chance of a one-two finish. Have you just lifted that report straight from Autosport? So there's a point in the in the coverage, I don't know if anyone else spotted it, but Murray Walker kept saying that Damon Hill was the 1994 world champion, which he wasn't, he was the 96 world champion. But he just kept saying it. Like, you don't need to. He was just like bringing it up whenever the car was on the screen. He's got that's the 1994 world champion. He won the world championship in 1994. Of course, Damon Hill was famous for winning the championship in 94. And you can just sense Martin Rundle like just shrinking away because how do you correct Murray Walker you can't I think today it, Brundle's established enough in his own right that he'd probably wade in there and correct him because now he's he's you know Charlie Big Potatoes but back then he was just young youthful Martin Brundle and you know Murray Walker had been around since the 1930s well that was his first year wasn't it because because Brundle was still racing in 97 wasn't he because it was 97 he had that big crash in Australia I think wasn't it oh uh, was it yeah well there you go then he's a newbie you don't so want to correct a legend it was his first year yeah but anyway Damon Hill did alright he did well. He capitalised. That was his last last win as well, wasn't it? He didn't win another one after that. Yeah. No, oh, those were the days. And Ralph Schumacher on the podium looked pissed off. <laughs> well, he because they'd been. I mean, he always looked pissed off. But he was about to leave, wasn't he? Because he he'd had some sort of legal wranglings with with Jordan, um, which I actually meant to read up on and didn't, so I can't remember what they were. But he was basically in court. It was, it was about where you Jordan. can wank. <laughs> <laughs> That's only going to make sense if the previous conversation has been left in by producer Matt. But yeah, he was—he did look pissed off, but I think he was just pissed off at the actual situation because he'd been told not to overtake, didn't they? He'd been told to hold position, hadn't he? It was like a sort of a Barrichello kind of thing. And that couple... Well, I think it was, a, fact- it was a wet race. Everybody had crashed out of the race. Jordan had never won a race before and his cars were one too. So he just said to them don't take any fucking risks, do not try and overtake mm. each other. Whereas Ralph Schumacher was actually quicker at the end and I think he could have easily won. So I think he was pissed because he hadn't won a race. Did he ever win a race? No, he I won a few, he I think. Did, did he? Oh, yeah, okay. So he, but that was, would have been his first win and it was taken away from him. Hence, pissed off. That is unfortunate. But, you know, it was nice to see the Jordans do well. Apart from all the wranglings uh, that they didn't show mm. on the screen, <laughs> superficially, it was nice. Well done, Jordan. They've got a long future ahead of them. Ferrari! No, they were never Ferrari. Schumacher was a master in the rain, pulling out a 30-second lead over the Jordans before clouting David Coulthard on the track and then running to the pits to try and finish the job. Whilst the whole Ferrari crew were busy trying to pull him off the Scotsman, someone forgot that Irvine was still on the track and he span out just to get some attention. Do you reckon somebody at YouTube is just picking shit Ferrari races? Can we just have a moment to say this is what I want in Formula 1 there was a crash which you know wasn't really Coulthard's fault it wasn't Schumacher's fault but then then we go to the pits we see Schumacher take (laughs) off his helmet and he looks fucking furious and then he goes storming down to the McLaren pit and he's going to be held back by everybody and there's just a big ruckus and you're watching it now going none of those are two metres apart they're all so fucking close (laughs) they're all going to die but you know that's with modern eyes and he's you know, you know he's going to fucking punch David Coulthard, who, let's face it, has the most punchable face. And, you know, then he storms back and Ross Braun's saying, don't do it, don't do it, Michael, it's not worth it. <laughs> and John Tott's there going, no, look at me, Michael, look at me. And it was amazing. And this is all I want is for fighting. If only there was some sport where they they fought. I mean, I, yeah, I can't think of any. <laughs> like if there was a sport where people punched each other. Yeah. It was great. It's a common common thing back then, back in the olden days, between James Hunt and uh, 
Uh, Nelson Piquet beat somebody. Was it Hector Sal? No, not Hector Salazar. He's a drug lord. Mansell and Senna had a little argy bargy. Um, Senna punched Eddie Irvine. I don't know, but um, Senna punched Eddie Irvine. When was the last time there was a physical fight in F1? It must have been a long time ago. Was that the well, last time? There was one? that thing a couple of years ago with Verstappen. Oh, come on, that was it. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I was yeah, but was that actually, there wasn't actually a fight that was there. No, but that's my tattoo. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I've got a tattoo on my chest of Verstappen uh, and Ocon nearly fighting. How do we remember Eddie Irvine <laughs> these days? I mean, do we remember Eddie Irvine these days? He was nearly a world champion. Well, Eddie Irvine's an interesting one. He was okay. He was good on his day, but he wasn't great. He was nearly world champion only because Schumacher broke his leg. My favourite fact about him, I think, did, we, did this come up in a one the other week? I can't remember. But when he raced for Jaguar, he was paid an astronomical fee. And did you, have you heard this story? Have I said this before? There was a Ford board meeting in America. And the head of Ford was like looking at the highest paid people in the company. And he was like, who the fuck is this Edward Irvine? And he was paid more than anybody else in Ford. Wow. <laughs> Very nice too. I mean, and you know, was shit. take, yeah, take it while you can get it. Yeah. I don't know. What, I don't know what he's done since then. Yeah, I know. He's, he's got a I know his part. sister runs like the major after party that they have around uh, F, the F one circuits. Um, is Amber Lounge? His his sister Whoa. runs that because I tried to interview her once and couldn't get hold of her. Wow. Top fact. Good fact. McLaren Mercedes. So whoever runs the F1 YouTube channel must really hate David Coulthard as they seem to be putting up all the races where he was utterly shit. The 1998 Belgian Grand Prix was the pinnacle of Coulthard's career in that he was staggeringly shit three times. First, he causes one of the biggest pile-ups in F1 history. Then he has a shocking restart falling back down the field before spinning off and then running in a shit position, he takes out Michael Schumacher. Or did he? Okay, so let's first discuss that start because that's the famous start of Formula One when Coulthard bins it and then everyone else bins it behind him and 37 cars all crash into each other and it's glorious, you know. It's fucking phenomenal. (laughs) And anyone that says, no, I don't really like it when they crash. It must be the biggest pile-up at the start of any race that I can think of. I mean, there were a few back in the day, although they were a lot more dangerous Mm -hmm. back then, so it seems... um, we, we can't really laugh at them so much. But in terms of the sheer number of cars that were completely taken out and then the sight of sort of a mini half marathon as they all started running back to the pits, it must be the biggest one. It's genius. Fucking loved it. Very impressive. I want them to spare cars. I'd like spare cars back again. I miss people running back to the pits to get in spare cars. When did that end? Well, it was when they brought in all the... Th- it was like a cost thing, wasn't it? I think it was about 2008 when they were trying to save money. It's because obviously having a whole extra car just in case is... Yeah, they're like five million quid each. Yeah, a bit pricey. But yeah, I miss those days. But David Coulthard was so shit at this race. Like, he crashes, causes this big pileup. Then on the second start, yeah, he just like goes around the back of the field. Then he just spins out, but kind of keeps it going. And then the the big Schumacher crash. So, I don't know. Was it his fault? I don't think it was. I think it was sort of six or one and half a dozen, half a dozen of the other, really. I mean, he was he was told to let 
Schumacher aside, uh, let Schumacher through because um, uh, Ron Dennis and Jean Todd have been talking on the pit wall, haven't they? There was a shot of them talking. Um, and I think he'd been told to just let him pass. So he pulled over to one side and slowed down. But the trouble is he did it in shitty conditions where you can't see more than about three metres in front of you. And Schumacher had no idea he was there. So just barreled into the back of him. So it was probably a bit of a stupid place to do it. But I don't think it was in any way malicious. But at the same time, Schumacher... Well, I don't know. Now I think about it, could Schumacher really have done much about it if he couldn't have seen it? Like He probably wouldn't have expected him to have stopped in the middle of the track. It did seem like a weird because it was like on it was like on a weird it was on the corner wasn't it it was just like going, I'm just going to slow down here yeah and I mean if he'd have done it a little bit further up if he'd done it a little bit further on and wasn't basically on the racing line it probably would have been all right I think in the dry it would have been absolutely fine because Schumacher would have seen him and he probably just had a bit of a brain fade and didn't realise that or didn't think it in this matter of a couple of seconds that whoever was behind him couldn't see a bloody thing um, so yes in conclusion it was entirely Coulthard's fault but then for me the best bit was then. They send he goes to the pits because his rear wing's all screwed, and then they send him back out because there's only six cars left. So if one more car goes out, even if he's six laps down, he'll score a point. And you can just see the look in his eyes of going, "I don't want to go out there. I've already fucked up three times. If I go out again, I'm going to kill someone." <laughs> and the poor little yeah, bastard. And he didn't get that last point. No, even worse. Uh, I'm also quite impressed that they managed to fix the car as well. Um, we'll, we'll talk about another one later where there's been an enormous accident that's completely annihilated one car and you think well the other guy's clearly out as well and then they fix it and they go back out again because the same thing happened with Nakano and Fisichella um, they, uh, these days if the rear wing comes off a car you're like well that's it, He's not, it that car's done uh, whereas somehow they managed to get it back together again it's weird, well done McLaren Salva Petronas Plucky Johnny Herbert sprinted back to the pits after the first kilometre start to jump into the spare car then at the restart, he came around the first corner to find Mika Hakkinen and crashed into him. End of race. Poor Johnny. Jean Lacy managed to keep out of the carnage long enough to come home third, which would be the last of his 32 F1 podiums. Only one win during his 12 years in F1. Poor Jean. I mean, it was a weird career. Who, Alacy or Herbert? Well, both really. But Alacy, well, they both started their first race was the same race, which incidentally... Was it? it was the first race that I ever watched, which was the French Grand Prix 1989. Hmm. Oh. Oh, that's a good fact. Thanks. Because, yeah, it was John Alacy, Johnny Herbert, and I think Emmanuel Piro were all having their first race mid-season. And I remember being very fascinated oh. by the idea oh, of Oh, yes, that. we've talked about this before, I think, yeah. Probably, because it's one of the three things I know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, John Alacy was just, you know, there was he was... Fighting with Senna in 1990, and he drove for Ferrari and all this kind of stuff, and he ended up in fucking Sauber, getting a third place at a weird race and only getting one win. Not what you'd expect. No, I mean they're both both him and Herbert are kind of maybe drivers who never quite achieved what they could have achieved because Herbert, when he first came in, was was tipped as the next big British driver. He was really really quick, but then he had that monster accident quite early in his career and was really badly injured and was never quite as good when he came back. So badly injured that I remember a quote in a magazine that I brought at the time which said that after the months after the crash bits of grass were still coming out of his injury because they'd got in so deep. Oh. Oh, what? Oh. Why would you get back into a car after that? Go and work in Marks and Spencer's. Gross. Great pension. Yeah, no, because he, he still limps a bit now, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he somehow manages that. to be super chipper on the telly. You, you, you could, you could. <laughs> at least his collarbone's all right. Um, My collarbone's all right. That's the one thing that is all right. You've been moaning about it the whole time. You can't go back on that now. <laughs> at least I haven't got a fucking limb, though, have I? Uh. Uh, <laughs> we didn't talk about um, we didn't talk about Hackenham being crap again. <laughs> Maybe somebody at YouTube has got it in for Hackenham as well. Yeah, so the ninety nine. What what year was the last race? That was ninety seven, wasn't it? So he won ninety seven and ninety eight. No, it was um, nineteen. No, ninety nine was uh, ninety seven was Villeneuve. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. So he won ninety eight and ninety nine, and we reviewed a race from ninety eight and ninety nine where both years where Hackenham won the championship, and the two races we've watched, he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he literally crashed on his own at the start of the at the restart, and then that yeah, it was Herbert. He was just like Herbert came around this. the corner. And Hackenham was sideways, and he was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, no, if you'd have only watched those two races, you'd be forgiven for uh, thinking that Hackenham was just some also-ran. Williams Vekachrome, reigning world champion Jacques Villeneuve, continued his quest for another win, which will never come. He was sixth after a race that saw him spin out after the first pit stop and a qualifying that had him seen that had seen him have a monster crash through Eau Rouge. Heinz Harald Frensen was somehow fourth. So this was the year of the Red Williams, which looks weird even in hindsight. It's like anyone who moans about last year's rocket weird toothpaste livery never saw the 1998 Williams, which was oh like a cut price Ferrari with a weird fucking fag brand you'd never heard of. Oh, it's Winfield, shite. wasn't it? Winfield, Loosefield. Have you ever seen a like- Winfield? I mean, it's like to- <laughs> hey, but it's also like West. Because West isn't a brand of fags I've ever. I mean, I'm not saying that everything has to be in 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 Britain, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. It? That's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, got Nigel Farage. The English, the line. English are yeah. best. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, not that this is the start of the decline. Although they've never won a championship since, but did feel no. Like... It, it absolutely was the start of the decline. They went from being world champions yeah, right, in '97 right. to being utterly shit in '98 and '99. And then just basically got worse and had a and bit had of a, a little brief resurgence, little resurgence in the Montoya years. Yeah, yeah. but not really. And it, as we've talked about before, the Maldonado years. But um, basically, no, that was that was the start of when it all went wrong. And now here we are when they're up for sale. I think Winfield should buy them. I mean, that would be ironic. And rename if the team can... Winfield. Wow. Project oh, Mission Winfield. Brilliant. Done. <laughs> Arrows. Mikasalo had a big old crash in practice and was taken to hospital but cleared for qualifying. Not that it really mattered as after the big smash up at the start, the spare arrows was given to Pedro Diniz, leaving Salo to sit it out. It turned out to be the right choice as Diniz got points in fifth place. Go Pedro. There's not a huge amount to say, is it? Yeah, it was one of those weird races where, yeah, for some reason, all of the shit teams got points. Good on them. But also, a lot of the shit teams lost both their drivers uh, at the start. I suppose because they're further back where all the crashing happened. They lost both their cars and only had one, mm-hmm. and only only one of the drivers could restart again. But, you know, Diniz, unlike some of the others we'll talk about in a second, uh, managed to make it work. Prospergo. Yalo truly took the spare car after the crash at the start. Panis watched from the sidelines. Truly was sixth and got a point. Boom! Just like I was saying before, same story. Stuart Ford. 
Max's dad managed to get his damaged Stuart back to the pits, but it was too damaged to continue, so he took a spare car, while Rubens Barrichello nursed the sore elbow that he told Dr. Sid Watkins he didn't have. We literally could see the blood, Rubens. Verstappen then crashed eight laps into the race. No points. I'm starting to think that Sid Watkins wasn't a real doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite funny where Barrichello, there was a shot of Barrichello on the grid, literally protesting that he was absolutely fine to the doctor, who was going, I really think you're not. And there was literally blood seeping out of the back of his arm. (laughs) Brilliant. He's just like, oh no, it's a sponsor. We're sponsored by blood clot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So after all that, Verstappen messed it up. That's the last we'll hear of that name in Formula One. Benetton Play Life. Fisichella had a crash so big, it looks like his car is made of tissue paper and he did a much better job of crashing into the back of a car than Schumacher. So who's the real racing legend here? Alex Wurz had a crash with Coulthard and retired because that was the kind of race that Coulthard had. We didn't even talk about Coulthard's crash with Verhertz. I can't actually remember what happened. Didn't we just? Didn't it just cut to them and they were sliding off? So something had happened. Oh yeah. So that was the fourth <laughs> fuck up the Coulthard no, exactly, had yeah. that day. Uh, but yeah, that physical crash. God, he was shit. It was just like they they made the car and they went right. We don't need all these bits. So <laughs> at the slightest force, they could all just fall off. <laughs> it reminded me of the bit was it was it, just I can't make everything fall off. I can't remember what it was. Was it China or somewhere a few years ago where I think it was Buemi's. Buemi hit the brakes in the Toro Rosso and the front wheels both fell off. Pretty much like that. <laughs> it looked like that. It just... and wasn't, I mean, I know we're looking at old races and, you know, all these safety was a different thing back then and everything else, but th- there are a lot of wheels flying about. And I know that we've got wheel tethers now and the whole point is that the wheels don't go flying because it's dangerous. But Jesus Christ, in those days, the wheels were just like multi-board in pinboard it's just like right here comes six wheels coming at you if you're in the crowd get ready it's like like they had a t-shirt cannon or something but for wheels (laughs) here come the wheels uh yeah it was a bit dodgy when the yeah the the, the crash at the start when all the cars went they were just literally oh terrifying it's raining wheels hallelujah minardi ford right here's your moment chica nick carno Tuaro, baby, why don't we go? <laughs> Are they drivers or the lyrics to Kokomo? Only Paul Stoddart knows for sure because he's the boss of the Minardi team. Shinji Nakano got pile driven by Fisichella but somehow managed to keep going and finish the race in eighth and last place while Esteban Tuaro managed to avoid all the chaos on lap one only to retire later when his gearbox died. R.I.P. Uh, I mean, the only reason we're talking about uh, Minardi is because of the Kokomo joke. So, but yeah, well done on them for bringing, building a strong car. I think Esteban Tuero was mentioned so many times by Murray Walker. I feel like he'd been given a bum because <laughs> I just kept hearing the name Esteban Tuero, and it's like I don't feel like he needs that. He was many the 1994 mentions. world champion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Well done. Didn't do anything. Minardi now Alpha Tauri for young people. Tyrrell Ford. No spare car for Ricardo Rossett because he was shit and no one in the team liked him. So Toro Takagi was given the honour of flying the Tyrrell flag for 10 whole laps before he spun off. 
No points. Oh, Ricardo Rossett. There was a bloke called Craig Pollock, who was a businessman who's basically involved at Tyrrell, who insisted that they bring in Ricardo Rossett when Ken Tyrrell, who had historically run the team for decades, wanted somebody else. And then he was utterly terrible. And apparently Tyrrell was, uh, Ken Tyrrell was so pissed off he left his own team. And it was basically because of Ricardo Rossett, which then pissed off everybody in the team against Rossett. So nobody liked him. So it seems like the first opportunity they had to not give him a car and allow him to race. Uh, they took it and gave it to uh, the powerhouse that was Toro Takagi instead. Not their finest hour. So now it is time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. Right. Settle in. It's one of my serious ones. I'm going to add two a year. The Black Lives Matter movement has hit Formula One in the last few weeks with Lewis Hamilton chastising his fellow F1 alumni for not speaking out. But why should they speak out? Well, if that was your first thought, then I'm sorry to break it to you, but you're racist. You might not be a full-on white supremacist, you might just be a little bit racist, often not noticeable, but comes out when you've had a few and you fail to see the systemic injustice in our society. And the thing is, it does matter. F1, as we're often told, is a prestige event with its Rolex and its Moet and its men in jeans and pink shirts. And if you grow up and you're not white or a woman or anything that isn't a cis white man, you're taught every Sunday afternoon that you don't belong in this world. Get back in your lane, etc. F1 fans love videos and articles full of lists of best drivers and etc. that kind of thing. But why, Lewis aside, are they all white? Is it because, by some staggering coincidence, all people of colour from 1950 to 2007 were just shit at driving? Was Lewis Hamilton the first to crack it? Or was it because if you were a person of colour, you wouldn't be able to get near to an F1 car if it didn't look the part? We're told that F1 is a meritocracy, and it's true to a point once you get there, but getting to F1 definitely isn't. Money talks and, spoiler alert, most of the people with the money are white. So until Oprah starts an F1 team, it shouldn't be up to Lewis Hamilton to speak out. It should be everybody, all of F1, using their privilege to maybe give a bit away. And as a podcast hosted by three white people, we need to use this privilege we have to say, if you listen and your first reaction to hearing Black Lives Matter is to tweet All Lives Matter, then you've missed the fucking point. Because if All Lives Matter, why are the ones at the top white? I've got no solution. The world is fucked. The end. Well, that's depressing. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I was hoping you were going to sort it. Okay, I can sort it. Kill all white people. Wow. Okay. No, let's not do that. Let's let's uh, let's let's. <laughs> oh God. Although, if anyone is listening to this and they think all lives matter, can you please a unsubscribe and b tweet us so I can tell you to fuck off to your face. And this is a great time to say that was the state of F one brought to you this season by Carfection. Uh, Terry is that going to be making an appearance into into the video series no I don't think I'll be getting that political but some news I'm filming some stuff this week so soon people you will see what a man who misjudged shaving his beard off and hurting (laughs) his arm looks like have you got makeup to give you a fake beard I'm just going to use an actual fake beard that is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We have not had time to talk about the fact that cars are back on track now. As we speak, well, probably not as we speak because it's late at night. But today, Mercedes have been testing at Silverstone with 2018 cars and they were all wearing masks and it's all very exciting and that's how we're racing from now on. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about the fact that I'm so bored living in my fucking life with the lockdown 
that I've decided to buy a bike Yay! and learn to ride a bike. Oh, Amazing. God. This is going to be the one time. I was reading on Twitter, the best way to learn to ride a bike is to buy a bike because then you have the shame of owning a bike. It's true. So have you bought one? I'm going to buy one this oh, week. What kind of bike are you going to get? You haven't bought one. I'm going to get a child's BMX. <laughs> You know I, was browsing, moment, I was browsing the stolen bikes on Gumtree <laughs> and I found one that I liked and I, it turns out to be a child's one. So Before you know it, you'll be spending 500 quid on a training for your garage that you don't have. We will be back next month to discuss the Austrian Grand Prix. But in the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake and follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake. You can buy some of our stuff, can't you, Terry? Yes, if you go to ff1s.com forward slash shop, 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 you will find that our shop staff have not been furloughed. We've made them work in unsafe conditions throughout the pandemic. Buy a fucking t-shirt. Kill someone. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you soon. I've been Chigrez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network. So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.